Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, El Conservador, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. And we're right here, 17 miles away from New York City today, out in Westchester. Now, check this out. It was the 4th of July parade on Tuesday, or Monday, I should say, Monday the 5th of July, in the small town of the Village of Richfield Park in New Jersey. That's where I live in Bergen County. It was a great parade. In fact, it's the oldest 4th of July parade in the entire state of New Jersey. Other than my own memorable moments with my family, my children, and all of that, one of the most memorable moments that I had was the moment that a beautiful family passed by, and the little girl was chanting, and it was a mom and a dad and three little kids, maybe all under the age of seven. And the youngest kept saying, Go America! Go America! She was cheering on the United States, and it was heartwarming to say the least. To my left, Louis of Puerto Rican descent. To my right, James of Irish descent, all proud Americans. Each of them looked at me and said, man, that's so heartwarming. It brings joy. And the reason being, because it was exactly what the media doesn't want you to know. The Democrats within the media, the left within the media, they don't want to see people cheering on our nation where parents are incredibly encouraging. And for the sake of description, I'm going to say that this particular family was a black family. Black dad, black mom, three beautiful black daughters. It's the Democrats' worst nightmare. The corrupt politicians in Washington, the Democrats. I'm not saying that there aren't corrupt Republicans. I'm just really focusing on the Democrats because they're the ones that really radically embrace racial division. Would have hated to see what I saw. To see white people, Hispanic people, black people, Asian people the type of eclectic neighborhood that I actually live in, the type of eclectic America that we actually have, all joining together to celebrate America. Now, some people seem to have forgotten that America very peaceably coexisted prior to 2008, before Obama came in and started his most recent division of America. I was listening to uh, this audio clip on Twitter of James Earl Jones, and he was talking about how to divide people on the 4th of July is somehow appropriate. And the reason it's appropriate was because slaves never celebrated independence on July 4th. I am not included within the pale of this glorious anniversary. Your high independence only reveals the immeasurable distance between us. The blessings in which you this day rejoice are not enjoyed in common. The rich inheritance of justice, liberty, prosperity, and independence 
bequeathed by your fathers, is shared by you, not by me. The sunlight that brought life and healing to you has brought stripes and death to me. This 4th of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice. I must mourn. And he was saying this at some sort of uh, commencement ceremony. And I don't know anything else about it. For all I know, it was part of a movie. But the point was, I listened to it and I disagreed with it. And I bring it up because it's just not right. It's not right to say we're not going to celebrate America's independence because some persecuted group at one point in our history wasn't once able to, when they're able to today. And this is more or less kind of what I was talking about when I was on Newsax yesterday. If you missed that, you can go to my Rumble channel, rumble.com slash Rich Valdez, or go to my social media at Rich Valdez, and you can take a look at the video and check it out. Part of what I was talking about was that having love for our flag and love for our country, aka patriotism, isn't a bad thing, but it is a thing that's waning. It's dissipating, and we need to bring it back. I'm all for free speech. As individuals, I think we all have free speech. But as members of Team America, professional athletes that are on Team America, I think that they should honor the flag that they play for. No exceptions. The U.S. women's soccer team are repeat offenders. Now, over the weekend, there was some criticism of them saying that, you know, some of them turned away from this 98-year-old veteran that was playing the harmonica on Monday at their um, send-off game before they go to the Tokyo Olympics. And I thought to myself... We really have to do better. We have to rise to the challenge, not cower in fear. I think it's incredibly important if you're going to wear a uniform that has the American flag on it, that you should honor and represent that flag, not just your sport, not just your athleticism, but your country. And the critique over the weekend of the team was that several of the women turned their backs on the World War II veteran who was playing the national anthem on his harmonica. And again, it's questionable. Some people are saying, well, look, they actually turned because they were facing the flag and others were facing a different flag. I really hope that's the case because if they had decided, I'm just going to turn my back on this old man while he plays his harmonica, wait till he's done and then carry on with my business, I would have to say it's a real disgrace. And it's a disservice to everybody that served because that guy was there not as himself, but as a representative of veterans all across this great land. And if that's the case, they turned their backs on America, not just on him. Now, I ask, which other major world power has members that wear a flag on their uniform and turn their backs on their own flag? I haven't seen that happen. It may have happened. I just haven't seen it. So if you know, let me know. At Rich Valdez on Twitter, at Rich Valdez on Parler. I think I'm on Getter now, so check me out over there too. But this divisiveness doesn't help, in my opinion. Do you think it makes us stronger? I don't. I don't think this disunity makes us appear more powerful. I think it shows our weakness. The old saying doesn't really change. United we stand, divided we fall. I always say if we stand for nothing, we'll fall for anything. That's from Hamilton. Once our values are eroded from within, we're screwed. Whether it's a marriage, a skyscraper, or a country that once had the internal supports that kept it strong, once that stuff is compromised, the whole thing comes crumbling down. I don't care how good of an athlete anybody is. If they can't support America, they can't play for America. That's how it ought to be. Punto y final. Period. The end. Full stop. Now, I also want to get into this topic of vaccines. Because again, 
Fourth of July, I was around with friends, neighbors, family. No, there was no masks. There was no social distancing. Thank God we were following the CDC guidelines. Here we are celebrating 245 years of America. And on Sunday, July 4th, President Biden had this to say. Today, all across this nation, we can say with confidence, America is coming back together. Okay, so you know what? It starts off as something you say, you know what? Thank you, Mr. President. Appreciate that, President Biden. But no, no, no. He's got to take it somewhere else and compare the fight for independence with the fight for COVID vaccines? Really, Mr. President? Ah, geez. The power of science, he says. Well, I say it's the power of la baba. Joe El Baboso Biden, babiando como siempre. He's always uh, babbling about the silliest things, and he makes these comparisons that are just not only nonsensical, but oftentimes offensive. And sometimes I think, you know, maybe it's because I live in the echo chamber. It's because I work in the bubble. I'm in this little padded room, not because I'm crazy, but because it's a studio booth. And I, I surround myself with people that usually agree with me, not because I want to hear what I agree with, but because that's how it is sometimes. And I think maybe that's the reason why. But, you know, it's always encouraging when you're walking down the street and you bump into a neighbor and they tell you, you know what, I'm listening to the podcast. I love the podcast or even strangers sometimes that I meet and uh, they figure out who I am. And it's like, oh, wow, you're that guy. Wow, how cool. And it's an honor. It really is. It's a humbling experience. And I want to give a shout out to my guy, Hector, because uh, I saw Liberty in Action. I saw him and his wife and his children living the American dream, doing what has to be done. And it wasn't because of Joe Biden, and it wasn't because of a vaccine, and it wasn't because of the Democrats. It was because of our God-given rights. It was because of the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness that we have in this wonderful country. That's what we were celebrating, not Joe El Baboso Biden. But anyway, keep it locked right there. More to come straight ahead on everything that's going on on this Tuesday edition of This is America. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. This is America with Rich Valdez. Bienvenido, America. Welcome back. Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S. And we are going to talk about this vaccine stuff a little bit more. And, you know, that's not a topic I really like to get into because I'm not into that stuff. Um, It's whatever has to be said has been said. Joe Biden was at the White House today, Tuesday, literally talking about knocking on doors to get people vaccinated. And it's interesting because not... Too long after he did his brief, Jen Pasirkelback Pasaki, that's right, she ain't no Pasirkelback girl. She came out and said, no, 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 it's not like we're going to go to door to door and vaccinate people. Well, which one is it? Are we going door to door or are we not going door to door? Listen to this. Do it now for yourself and the people you care about, for your neighborhood, for your country. It sounds corny, but it's a patriotic thing to do. In today's briefing, 
We discussed how our administration is going to devote the remainder of the summer to a special focus on five ways to make gains in getting those of you who are unvaccinated vaccinated. Because here's the deal. We are continuing to wind down the mass vaccination sites that did so much in the spring to rapidly vaccinate those eager to get their first shot and their second shot, for that matter, if they needed a second. Now we need to go to community by community, neighborhood by neighborhood, and oftentimes door to door, literally knocking on doors to get help to the remaining people protected from the virus. Look, equity, equality, it remains at the heart of our responsibility of ensuring the communities that are the hardest hit by the virus have the information and the access to get vaccinated. So, as we shift from these centralized mass, mass vaccination sites, where we're doing thousands of people a day, we're gonna put even more emphasis on getting vaccinated in your community, close to home, conveniently, and a location you're already familiar with. All right, so there you have it. The president is making it very clear, right? President Joe El Baboso Biden says we literally need to go door to door, community by community, knocking on doors to get people vaccinated. You'd think this guy was getting a commission for this stuff. But Jen Percircleback Pasaki had this to say. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. After the president is briefed by his COVID-19 response team this afternoon, he will speak to the American people about the strong progress that the country has made in recovery because of its robust vaccination campaign, as well as the importance of every eligible American getting vaccinated, especially as the Delta variant continues to grow among unvaccinated people across the country. By the end of the week, the United States will be nearing 160 million people fully vaccinated, which the president will touch on today as well, which is critically important as fully vaccinated people are protected against the Delta variant. He will also stress how the administration will continue its effort to work with governors, local leaders, and across the public and private sector to get more Americans vaccinated by making vaccines available in more healthcare settings and respond to hotspots. The president will outline five areas his team is focused on to get more Americans vaccinated. One, a targeted community by community door-to-door outreach to get remaining Americans vaccinated by ensuring they have the information they need on how both safe and accessible the vaccine is. Two, a renewed emphasis on getting the vaccines to more primary care doctors and physicians, something that we've seen as a very successful tactic uh, with reaching groups uh, with lower vaccination rates in the past few months. Uh, Three, stepped up efforts, which is complementary to my last point, to get vaccines to pediatricians and other providers who serve younger people so that adolescents aged 12 to 18 can get vaccinated as they go for back to school checkups or get ready for fall sports. Four, uh, continue expanding efforts to make the vaccine accessible for workers. Access is an area where we've seen as a challenge and one where as we've worked to address it, we've seen increasing rates. So that includes setting up vaccination clinics at workplaces uh, and PTO uh, or time uh, leave that uh, employees can take off uh, to get vaccinated. And finally, expanding our mobile clinic efforts, meeting people where they are and making sure we're taking the vaccine to communities. 
Well, it looks like you can expect that knock on your door. Hello, we're here with La Vacuna. We're here with your vaccinations. I'm not looking forward to any of that stuff, but that's what we get when we deal with big government and Obamacare and allowing the government to be our daddy. I always say, look, we don't need the government to be our daddy. We could take care of ourselves. And doing it ourselves doesn't mean hiring politicians to rob us blind and spend our money for us. That's literally not what I'm talking about. But of course, some people and some people that become politicians, not to be confused with Ilhan Omar, some people did something. No, not her, but another one, Pramila Jayapal, right? She believes that the way that we're going to do it is by spending more taxpayer dollars, not you getting a job, starting a business, saving your money, making investments, real estate, whatever it is. No, no, no. That's not what they're talking about. They're talking about these investments that the government talk about. These investments are actually expenditures. But Pramila Jayapal, she says, we have the opportunity to make a once in a generation investment into our communities and in families. Check this out. I also had a meeting with the White House to discuss the upcoming infrastructure jobs and families package. I know that in this moment, we have the opportunity to make a once in a generation investment into our communities and families across America. And so I am pushing to guarantee that we do not waste this incredibly important opportunity. That's why I'm gonna keep fighting for the five key priorities that we have at the Progressive Caucus. Strengthening the care economy, investing in affordable housing, expanding Medicare and lowering the cost of prescription drugs, investing in climate jobs and climate action, and providing a roadmap to citizenship for essential workers. Now, it seems to me, maybe I'm wrong, but every single investment, quote unquote, that she's talking about seems to be a government handout. It seems to be big government wanting to be your daddy. No, thank you. This isn't what we need. This isn't how America becomes strong. This isn't how you promote American industriousness, resourcefulness, hard work and determination, a solid work ethic. None of that comes from this. This literally promotes illegal immigration, promotes inaction by so many people, promotes permanent government dependency, not just, you know, when you're down and out or you lose a job or the pandemic or whatever. No, no, no. This is permanent government dependency. This is why when somebody will come to you and say, well, you know, that's socialist. We don't want a socialist economy. They'll say, well, no, no, don't you want roads? Those are socialists too. I got to look at those people and think, man, did you hit your head on the way to talking to me today? Pero que te pasa a ti? What is wrong with you? How could you compare having a paved road where people pay property taxes to have a shared road to the government providing affordable housing. By whose definition is it affordable? My housing isn't affordable. I'd love to afford it better. And I'd love to afford more housing. Maybe one in LA, maybe one in the Hamptons. Lots of housing. I can't afford that. So I don't understand. Who determines what? Is it Essential Andy from the Essential Andy Cuomo podcast who decides, you know what? I will decide Essential Andy Cuomo who's important and what housing is essential and what housing can be affordable and affordable to who and what and where? Are we kidding here? Is this the Pandora's box that any of us want to open? I think not. But that's exactly where we are. And it's exactly where we can't stay. We need to run away from this, push back on it as fast as we can, and get back to a government system where we have elected officials that say, you know what? We're going to let this family do their thing. We're going to let that guy do his thing. If they need help, we'll provide some help. But we're not going to sit here and become all provident. 
We leave all providence to the Lord Almighty, not to big government. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. Straight ahead, more on this critical race theory stuff. And I love it. It's always music to my ears when more and more moms, and in this situation, dads, step up, show up at these school board meetings and give the Board of Education not only a piece of their mind, but a little something to chew on to let them know Americans aren't taking this stuff lying down. Don't move a muscle. We will be right back. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. He's got the best head of hair in podcasting. This is America with Rich Valdez. Bienvenido, America. Welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And we're talking about America and the onslaught of critical race theory, critical theory, anti-racism, and all these other perversions of the English language that are being used to push ideas that I think most people don't agree with. Most people don't agree that black people are permanently oppressed. And if they do, they should check themselves because we shouldn't treat people as if they're less than because of the color of their skin, because of their ancestry. When I was a kid growing up in the Midwood section of Brooklyn, right outside of Flatbush area, that was considered racism. And I don't think any of us likes racism, right? I am an anti-racist, and I hope you are too. Not the Ibram X. Kendi type of anti-racist, but, you know, the actual real kind that doesn't look down on people because of race. But this pops, right? His name's Ian Rice, and he's there with his wife at a school board meeting saying that you're teaching my daughter that her mother is evil because he's married to a white woman. Listen to this. Hey, my name's Ian Rice. I've got two children here in the Caledonia School District. Um... It's very apparent here by all of the parents that have spoken that this board and the school district is failing. Um, more importantly, I came here to talk about critical race theory. This theory was never meant to be brought into grade schools, high schools, at all. It's actually taught in the collegiate atmosphere, and more importantly, the legal portion of the collegiate atmosphere, to see different laws through the lens of race from an ethics and, 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 and an ethical standpoint, right? Not for grade schools and high schoolers. The problem with bringing it to high school and grade school level is that we don't have the educators to properly teach these kids. Instead, they're using it as their own agenda to indoctrinate the kids to hate each other. And whether you believe that to be true or not, the reality is that's what's happening. Critical race theory is teaching that white people are bad. That's not true. That would teach my daughter that her mother is evil. You already have an educator within your staff that has pulled my daughter aside and said, well, you're a minority, so you know better than to engage in certain things. When I was brought to the school's attention, nothing happened to the educator. Instead, my daughter was brought in, and she was ridiculed. So my question is now, with critical race theory being brought in, what is your criteria to educate the educators? And who are you to educate my children, or any of our children, in life issues? That's our job. Your job is to teach them math and science. Our job is to teach them about life. I believe racial issues and tensions across the U.S. are nowhere near what they used to be decades ago. Do we have a long way to go? Sure. Do we still have individuals out there that need to be taught? Absolutely. But I believe the people here don't look at me as a black man. They look at me as a man standing in front of you addressing the issue that we all are very passionate about. Amen, Pop Dukes. I agree with you 100%. Standing ovation to you. 
Listen, yes, their job is to teach all of those academic areas. And of course, life lessons come, I think, par for the course. And they start at home. You know, a conversation I was having with my neighbor last night, we're talking about your first school is your home. And your home is the first school. Now, that sounds a lot better in Spanish, and it's an old refrain, but it's the truth. You can't expect people to raise your children when you send them to school to learn reading, writing, and arithmetic. Now, of course, they're learning a lot more than that, and they're being asked lots of questions like, you know, when you grow up, do you want to be a boy? Do you want to be a girl? Or do you want to marry a boy? Do you want to marry a girl? And I think this is where parents need to draw the line and say, you know what? Fall back. We need to do our job. You need to do your job. And you can't just say, well, because you're not doing your job, I'm going to have to do it for you. Right? That's never the role of the teacher. But we can't have entire systems of education that are now demonizing people, especially those biracial people. Here's this guy saying, look, I'm black. And people pulling students aside saying, you're a minority, you should know better. You can't, you just can't do that to a kid like that or any kid. And that's the point. You don't know who these people are. You don't know somebody's background all the time. This isn't a teacher's place ever. And I think more and more people need to know, which is why I talk about this stuff. And I hope and pray that A, you enjoy the show, B, you are informed by the show, and C, that you'll actually share it with somebody else because we're doing really well in the news commentary section of the uh, Apple podcast charts. Uh, this is America was just at number 53, and I was up from number 95 a couple of days earlier. So uh, we're trending upward on there. And again, it fluctuates, you know, but for the last year, we've been in the top 200. In the last couple of months, we've been in the top 100 of the news commentary chart. So I'm really proud of that. And I owe it all to you, the listener. I honor you. I thank you. I respect you. And I could get a little sassy sometimes with a caller to use that word, but it's okay to disagree. It doesn't mean that I don't appreciate each and every one of you that downloads this show and shares it and sends it to somebody and says, hey, you got to listen to this because that means the world to me. And this message is what is important. People need to know that there are other parents out there that are standing up. And if that will somehow bless you, if that will somehow inform you, encourage you and get you to do similar, well then amen, praise God, hallelujah. That's what we need to do. We need more people out there doing more things, doing their own podcasts, doing their own videos, writing columns, organizing, getting parents together, showing up with as many people as they can to the next school board meeting, the next town meeting, the next whatever meeting. We need to let people know that this is a government of the people, for the people, and by the people, and that we will show up, and that we, the people, take this seriously. And this is why I always say, you have to stand for something, because if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to do nothing. So let's continue to rise up and let our voices be heard, defend our children, defend our neighborhoods, defend our families from this crazy ideology that's out there, from leftism run amok. Hasta la próxima. Until next time, I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 